All right, guys, you are listening to Parties Over Podcast, and this episode is sponsored by Sea Dog Brewing Company. Sea Dog Brewing recently released their hard seltzers. You know Liz and I are a fan. We love a main brand. We love a hard seltzer, the perfect combo. And they have three great flavors. You guys already know. We love them so much. We talk about it every week. We're obsessed. Uh, Juicy raspberry, wild blueberry, black cherry. I can't decide what my favorite is. Well, actually, I went on a little girls weekend this past weekend, and they were picking up some Sea Dog seltzers, coincidentally, and they were like, don't worry, Liz, I got you with the juicy raspberry. So I'm like, okay, they know. You guys know how much we love them. We're going to chat with you guys a little bit more about them in the episode. But thank you again to Sea Dog Brewing Company for sponsoring this episode. you know, take a break and then find that love for it again. And just remember that you can't obsess over it because the more you obsess over something, it's just going to take away from it in the long term. Wait, what do you mean it's over? Hello, how can I help? Hey guys, welcome back to Parties Over Podcast. I'm Ashley. And I'm Liz. What's new with you? We're going to get right into it, I guess. Fall hit hard. I would say yes. 80 degrees, sunshine. We love to see it. And then they're like 65 and we won't go past it. We're not budging. I, I did say Labor Day ended up being pretty hot out though. Labor Day weekend was like a good end to the summer I think literally mother nature was like we know there's a lot going on this year we're gonna give you guys a good summer that's gonna be the best weather we ever had I was in Greenville for Labor Day and it's always a little colder in Greenville so I was literally hot like I went in the water I'm jealous it's very nice we were on the boat but not in the water I've also noticed that I am like craving nature lately which is like I'm I just I don't know. You know me. I'm not like a big Greenville girl. I was just about to say, you're not really like huge nature. No. And I'm like, just want to go to Greenville all the time. It's super weird. Don't tell my parents I said that. I think they listen. Oh my God, they do. I can't believe I just said that. They're going to be on my case. It's just, Sammy, she's coming to Greenville. I think it's because this summer, like the only thing there was to do really was like to go eat outside at a restaurant, like and outdoor activities, like the boat and stuff like that. But like, I don't know. There wasn't a huge, I think there was a lot of outdoor activities. I don't know. Just like the diversity of what you can do is. There are like, no events. You yeah. would you would go to a bunch of concerts normally. Right. And it was like hot out. So it's not like you're going to like go for a hike and like all this stuff. You know what I'm saying? Anyways, mm-hmm. I don't know. Something's changing. I don't hate it. I also realized I have a hard time relaxing. Really? You know? Right. So, like, I can't really relax. I get very stressed out if I'm not doing, like, a lot of things. So I if feel I the same way. It's awful. It's a form of, like, torture. It really is. I'm trying to work on the phone thing. Um, but that's another thing. Like, I feel like I can't relax also because I'm like, oh, this person texts me. I need to answer this. And oh. if I could actually just turn it off. I actually did that for a little while on Labor Day weekend. That's so funny. Parker and I are dealing with the same thing because he gets mad at me. For my phone. And I'm like, I'm tech. Like, what do you want to do? Someone text me. I would have to do not answer it. And to like, yeah, don't answer it. And I'm like, how I have to. And so I've just been like, we'll have a certain like night of the week where I literally, he's, he puts my phone away. And he's like, if they need that, like you, they'll text me. 
I'm and really trying. The weekends are the easiest unless there's like some kind of plant, but, but we always have something going on during the week. Yeah. I feel like I've taken up a hobby to avoid my phone. So like I've been, don't judge me, everyone. I am your grandmother's BFF. I've been cross-stitching. You know, I, I knit and I crochet. But she does I, actually hang out with your grandmother too. <laughs> and I wear her clothes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that has helped. So, okay, tips for getting off of your phone. Find a hobby that occupies your hands. Find an activity that you really can't be on your phone. Like, go to the gym. Try and, like, replace the time. Because I feel like, as much as Liz and I were just saying, like, how we're trying to figure out how to relax and not be busy... But you can still do productive relaxation. Yeah, like going for a walk. Like you're still relaxing and you don't need to like sit on the couch and scroll through Instagram to relax. I feel like a lot of people's definition of relaxing is like watching TV or like sitting on the phone. I mean, sitting on the couch on their phone. And like that doesn't necessarily have to be how you relax, you know? Oh, yeah. No, I totally agree. I prefer a walk. You do love a walk. I mean, I also love a walk, but like you do a two mile walk like every day. Yeah, I do that every day. I, like, can't go to bed until I do my two-mile walk. It's very relaxing. You do the laps around the malls, like grandparents? No, no, I would not do that. I go for a nice walk. I go by the ocean. It's calming. Nice. And it gets me moving, and I got outside. It's like you have to be outside to walk, obviously. Well, unless you're on a treadmill. So it's just, like, a nice start to the day. I love my name. That's my thing with my neighborhood is I love where I live. And like, for those of you that don't know, I don't know if this is like this all across like the US, but Maine's real estate market is wild, literally wild. And the issue is we love where we are, but it's very tiny. (laughs) It is a tiny house, (laughs) very small. It is. It's very cute and little. It's very tiny, but the neighborhood's great. And the issue is like, I literally can't leave because I love the location so much and it's great for walking and I grew up in a place that you could not walk like there was you're just like one of like two houses on the street and you're like I'm definitely gonna die if I go Mm -hmm. for and now I just can't give it up I'm like I need a walkable neighborhood you know I feel the same way it's stressful it's stressful to think about being somewhere else me and the rest of the world right they we all want that considering no one will let me buy their house. I was going to say, everyone wants that because that's why it's so expensive to buy a house there because everyone wants to live there. Um, but anyways, I do love it because I love like going for my walks and I see my neighbors and I feel like I'm on like a weird TV show. Like, Howdy, neighbor. Also wanted to update about, I have three bridesmaids, two groomsmen. Two of them are my cousins that are seven and ten, I think, six and ten. Yes, and I'm going to be walking down the aisle with the six-year-old, hopefully. He loves Liz. He really does. To be fair, he did ask if he could walk down the aisle with me. He said, to be fair, I'll walk with the other one then. No, he goes, Ashley, I don't know if I will be too comfortable to go down the aisle. I might be a little bit nervous. Uh, They're a little bit too old to be ring bearers, so we're making them groomsmen. And he's like... But I do know that there is someone I would be comfortable walking with. I'm like, oh, who? He's like, I could walk with you. I'm like, well, I'll be a little bit busy there, dude. Yeah, your dad's like, um, yeah. not this time, buddy. Being the psycho I am, though, about them, I'll be like, okay, sure. You must think I'm a real psycho. Not at all. I've been around them, and I would be the same way. <laughs> I just, like, literally didn't even watch the hockey game when I met 
them because they were just staring at me the whole time. So I was like, yeah, I could get distracted. They were in love with you. They were obsessed. The older one was getting really jealous, though. And I'm like, oh, you can walk with Liz to the younger one. And then he's like, well, if he doesn't want to, maybe I could. I'm like, oh, don't worry. We'll, we'll figure something out for you. It'll be one of them. This week on Parties of a Podcast, we have Sam Guadalajas. And I can't believe I just that just rolled off the tongue this time. We have been wanting to have somebody in the fitness world. Uh, I guess we've had a couple people in the fitness world, but we've been wanting to have somebody in the fitness world, like fully like their major. That was what they wanted to do on here. We've had a couple instructors, um, but this episode we were able to talk about diets and eating and lifestyle working out different forms of working out tracking macros like every topic that we've been wanting to chat about a little bit more yeah it's just really hard for we know how hard it is to sort through all of the different opinions when it comes to health and fitness and we think it's just really important to get information from multiple people and making sure that you're also recognizing you know the credibility of someone that you're getting your information from and also getting opinions so there's a difference between getting you know the opinion of someone and also taking everything with a grain of salt in that this is what works for their body thinking of health and fitness it can get overwhelming right now because it's also a very trendy topic so everyone is posting about it everyone's talking about it there's all these fad diets It can be hard to decide what, like, should I be keto? Should I be paleo? Is it weird that I don't have a dietary restriction? (laughs) Like, that's how I feel. So I know that it's important for me to get information from multiple different people. And Sam is one of those people that uh, Liz and I like to get our information from. And And she she talks a lot about, like, trying things out for herself and what it did for her body and not about what it's technically going to do for everyone else's body, but how she feels about it and how it affected her. So I thought it was great. I love that she's tried a lot of, if not like most of these different diets. And so that way she can speak on it without a casting judgment, without knowing um, how it affected her. So yeah, but Sam also, Liz and I definitely love just her mindset when it comes to health and fitness and the way she views the whole lifestyle approach when it comes to it it's not just about you know adding this apple into your body and that's it it's about like the psychological effects that food has on your body and the you know convenience of food that plays a factor so overall we love sam she is 10 out of 10 would recommend we love it we love that she makes each day special when it comes to food that's something that liz and i love so with that being said liz and i are so 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 excited to have sam on and let's get into the episode all right guys we're back and we have sam guadowskis with us here welcome to parties over podcast i'm so excited to be here thanks guys could you tell our listeners a little bit about what you do Yeah, so I come from a background of primarily nutrition education. That's really my primary field through, you know, love of fitness and really going on my own journey that's evolved into, you know, training and more life coaching now encompassing all of the different elements that really create fulfillment in a lifestyle. So not just honing in on fitness, not just concentrating 
on what you're eating, but really implementing strategies that are going to create sustainable and long-term success. Yeah. So we both Liz and I follow Sam and we know a lot of you guys follow Sam as well. We had a great response when everyone found out that Sam was coming on. So we're really excited for you guys to hear this one. But Sam, could you tell us a little bit about what your dream job was growing up? Like, what did you expect your life to look like? What did you think you were going to do? What did you want to do? You know, it's not so far off. I remember my first dream job was actually to be a PE teacher. And I wanted to follow into the footsteps of my grandfather, who was a football coach. I didn't want to be a football coach, but he was also the phys ed teacher at the high school. So I loved that dynamic. I think, uh, you know, being a student and having those educators that you look up to is a really powerful relationship. So that's something that I really admired growing up, even at an earlier age when I was in elementary school. And being a lover of movement, sports, athletics, that's always been a focus of mine. And that's actually what I studied in grad school was sport nutrition. So it's something that's been a part of you know, my earlier days and then now into more present, it's still something that I really love and enjoy. Because you're still pretty much teaching fitness just in a different way than if you were like in a school. But that's pretty cool because a lot of our guests, their dream job doesn't really line up with what they're doing now. So we're always like, how did you get here? But yours makes sense. Yeah. And I mean, there's been a bunch of weird twists and turns. I thought I wanted to major in business when I first went to university and I ended up switching second semester. So I've tried other things and I've always just kind of fallen back into movement, nutrition. Basically I love to eat and I love to move. So we've had some people come on where they're like, Oh, I wanted to be a marine biologist or something. And they're like, I don't know, like a radio host or something like so different. It's been really funny to watch, but so where did you grow up? I was born and raised in Seattle, Washington, or just north of Seattle, and I didn't leave there until undergrad, and I went to the U of A, so earlier, I guess, in my life, I feel so old now, but earlier in my life, I knew I wanted to explore different places. Yeah, and so, okay, you said you went to college, you went to your undergrad, where was that, you said? The University of Arizona, so in Tucson, Arizona which actually gave me a little introduction to California. I had a lot of friends who were from where I live now. And every time I visited, and Arizona is similar in that you get the warmer weather, you get the sunshine, you also get some palm trees. And growing up in Seattle, palm trees to me equals vacation. So I still have that feeling around palm trees, the sunshine. It definitely hits me different. And every time I go home to visit Seattle, although it's a beautiful place to live a couple months of the year, the rest of the time I'm like, okay, like this is draining, like emotionally and mentally. I think my energy levels are just lower in Seattle in that Northwest weather. What did you study when you were in school? I started in business. And after my first semester, one of my friends actually said to me, you know, business is something that... Not that it's oversaturated, but there's so many people who are studying business and it's so general and they're kind of just like, well, what, what are you really interested in? Like what's kind of a unique spin on this education that you're paying so much money for that's really going to give you a field that you're passionate in. And it, 
was kind of a question and a statement at the same time of like, this isn't really right for you. And I can see that. And at the time I was kind of like, Ooh, well in business, they make a lot of money. So that's kind of why I think I was pursuing it. And that conversation really inspired me to really dig into something that was, I was more passionate about. And that was food and nutrition. So I switched my major second semester to nutrition and I didn't immediately love it. I think anyone who studies nutrition knows that 70% of it is chemistry, biology, microbiology. And I don't like that stuff. But in the back of my head, I just kept thinking, you know, this is the stuff that I have to push through and honestly live through and just get through it to get to the end goal, which is to be in this field, work with people and help them in a way that I also felt that I needed. Like I kind of selfishly went into this field being like, I don't feel like the master of my body and how do I get there? Like, how can I help other people if I can't even help myself? So in a selfish way, it was for that, you know, that more personal self help, but it was also, you know, I want to help other people, but I have, I obviously have to help myself first. Yeah, that makes sense. Also, I think it's funny because now you're kind of using your business brain. Um, so if you would have written out business, you could have ended up where you are now still, which is kind of cool. Totally. And I've always loved business. I would say it comes more intuitive than the sciences for me. Like I really struggled through those science science courses and for me, business is just something that clicks a little bit more. Granted, there's so much depth there that I don't understand. But I think that, I mean, I'm a consumer and I, you know, produce a product and I, and I understand how all those things work because I am a consumer. But I think when it comes to nutrition, even though we're also consumers of food and we're, you know, consuming all of this information, there's much more misinformation in the realm of nutrition and that's what makes it so overwhelming and hard to digest as a consumer. So going into school for nutrition really helped me, you know, eliminate the bullshit and have the understanding of just the basics and be able to decipher the bullshit a little bit better, I think. I feel like I'm it's impossible to get the right information. Like I'll watch someone's video and then all of a sudden I'm like, it gets me thinking about that or I'll watch, you know what I mean? It's just overwhelming so would you suggest just like getting the basic information of nutrition as a way to kind of cancel out some of that noise and make your own decisions or can you give our listeners some advice on trying to sort through that yeah and I think looking back I remember at least taking one nutrition class in high school and I cannot tell you one bit of information that really serves me today so I think you can take a course on nutrition and not get anything from it. I think you have to be really ready to accept certain kinds of information because when I was a teenager, I wanted what was going to happen or what was going to work for me quick. I wanted the quick fix. I didn't care about the long-term sustainable stuff. I was just like, if I can lose this weight, I'll be able to maintain it. No problem. So even though I think, you do get bits and pieces of quality information when you're young, you're maybe not ready for it. Or you're not willing to accept that the strategy that is really going to work takes time, effort, and education. And so depending on where you're at in your journey, and I guess maturity level is a really big part of it, 
I wasn't mature enough to accept a long-term solution to my goals until I was in my mid-20s. And that solution to my long-term goals was implementing not just nutritional strategies, but mental health and focusing on all of the pieces of the puzzle that I didn't care about when I was young, right? So I was willing to sacrifice my mental health to look a certain way. And even with an education, so even with my whole undergraduate degree behind me, I wasn't really willing to accept that reality until later. So you can have this background of information, you can know enough about food. I think we all, maybe not everybody knows what a carb, a fat, and a protein is, but you know, it's not just knowing the information, but being willing to accept the larger picture of what that looks like. And that that's something that Liz and I talk about a lot is the things we learned in school. You were saying like you might not have been ready to understand them because that goes for so much, like even just history and sciences, all these things that like I would kill to be able to sit in a classroom for like six hours a day or whatever and just consume information. And now you have to like sneak it in whenever you can. And it goes the same for nutrition. Like we took you know, tons of like health courses and our, we were really fortunate in our um, gym classes, it wasn't just like volleyball. It was a lot of these skills, but a lot of people aren't at that stage yet. And I also love how you talked about mental health because that's something that is a huge part of anyone's nutrition journey. And I just think of myself, like, I feel like I can have a good overall nutrition, you know, my nutrition's pretty good. And then all of a sudden I'll have an off day or an off couple days and stuff. And it can really set it off whack for like weeks. Absolutely. And I think so much of our thinking is right or wrong, black or white. We don't like to live in this gray area. We like to be on it or off it. And when you're off it, you feel like crap. Or when you look at something as bad, you feel bad about it, right? Like there's this really strong correlation to either side. And what I found to be that sustainability is really living in the gray area because even when I was tracking macros, if I was a hundred calories over my goal, I was gaining weight, which isn't reality, right? Like there's a huge range between being in a deficit, which is usually what I was tracking to be in maintenance and then a surplus. But in my mind, being over was failure. Be, in my mind, being over even by 100 calories, I could even be over by 50 calories. That would really mess with me mentally because it wasn't perfection. And if it wasn't perfect, then I, I might as well throw in the towel and give up. Or I might as well call that it quits and you know eat whatever else I wanted because I'd failed, right? So it's finding that gray area and knowing that perfection really doesn't exist. And even if you tracked everything perfectly, there's still a gray area because if you're eating something that's packaged, there's a 20% deviation from what it says that it is, right? Like nothing is perfect in the realm of even tracking your food. Like you would have to remove all produced products. You would have to only eat whole foods and you know maybe not even cook them because that will affect the weight and then you know it, it's this downward spiral of trying to create perfection and the more you try and control every single variable the more it takes away from your quality of life i remember being in this place where i was you know tracking every little thing to the gram if i had an extra 5 grams of spinach in my salad uh uh like i'm taking those leaves out because i had to be perfect 
And in trying to control so much of my life, it took away from so many things because it gave me anxiety to be out of my element. It gave me anxiety to be out doing social events or to go travel. And I felt like I was spiraling out of control anytime I was out of that routine. And that's not life. Living in a hole and, you know, eating your meals and doing your training and spending so much, so much time in the gym, that's not the kind of life I want to live. And if that's what it takes to, you know, have this quote unquote ideal body, I don't want it because I'm not happy. I'm not enjoying people. I'm not enjoying food. I'm sad, miserable. I'm, you know, quick to anger, quick to frustration. I'm depressed. Like that's what that reality is for me. And I almost had to experience it and realize that letting go of all of that control and that idea of perfection was how I was going to almost regain control of my life and regain the things that I really wanted to, which, you know, at the end of the day, I think we all just want to be happy. We want to be happy with ourselves. We want to be happy with the way that we look. We want to be happy with the relationships we have. And the solution isn't the way that you look, even though I think we all grow up thinking that that is the solution and it's just not. I was going to say, I feel like I was having similar feelings to you with just a few things, but just I can picture not being able to go out to eat or like see my friends or I know people that go through this as well. And I just can't imagine what it does to your brain. And then once you stop and realize I don't want the perfect body, then you probably end up having the body you actually want or you actually feel like, oh, I want to eat healthy because I want to. I want to go to the gym because I just want to for the pros, I, you know, sleeping better and just feeling better rather than what you're going to look like. Absolutely. I went to that dark place of training all the time, controlling my food to this, you know, crazy level. And then when I decided that that wasn't healthy, I did have that frame of time where you kind of, you let go of all of that control and you go completely to the other end where you're eating out all the time and you're kind of maybe overdoing it and putting yourself in a position where you don't feel great. And that can only last so long. You know, if you trust the process and know that if you really start letting go of that control and allowing yourself to live your life, that a lot of those elements that you used to love, that maybe you started to hate, like going to the gym or eating a salad for dinner, those things will start to come back because they help you feel good. They help serve you, whereas there was previously a time where it really took away from the other parts of life. So you can start to re gain that again down the road. But I think for a lot of people who are trying to control everything that they eat, they're trying to maximize their time in the gym and those things don't become enjoyable after a certain amount of time, it will be enjoyable again, but you have to give yourself enough grace and time to, you know, take a break and then find that love for it again. And just remember that you can't obsess over it because the more you obsess over something, it's just going to take away from it in the long term. I feel like that I've experienced that so many cycles of that, of being really into one thing, getting sick of it and having to kind of reframe it. But can you talk a little bit about the discussing the trying to achieve the ideal body and 
that's from your website. And I know we discussed it a little bit there and then talking just a little bit about like fad diets. I know they're everywhere right now and what your thoughts are in that. And I know you eat, I don't know if you use the word, do you use the word intuitively or? I actually hate the word intuitive. Okay. I thought that you might. That's why I was like, I know there's a, there's two sides of it. Like either you hate it or you love it. I previously had an eating disorder and that was a, a word that was brought to me by my therapist. And she was, she actually told me to read this book. It's called Intuitive Eating. I still have it. And inside of it is this like crazy diet that I did <laughs> where like you remove all these different food groups. Anyway, funny story. But it was a topic and a, a word that was brought to, brought to me earlier in my, well, I guess my later teens when I was getting help. It didn't connect with me because if I was able to eat intuitively, why was... I struggling so much if I just listened to my body because at that time I think my sick mind was like well intuitive to me is eating when I'm hungry and my appetite was so suppressed that I would probably be eating 500 calories if you told me to eat intuitively like I just didn't understand that concept it just wasn't something that appealed to me and even today I think I have I have the ability to eat quote unquote intuitive, but I call it mindful because I have this education and understanding of what my body needs from years of tracking and studying nutrition. I'm able to collaborate those two ideas and combine them into something that makes more sense for me, which is, you know, my body might be telling me this, but I know that I need more because my brain can understand that, right? Whereas maybe my hunger cues or even energy levels might not pick up on that. And so for me, mindful eating is kind of the term that I like to use instead of intuitive because it just connects with me more. I love that. I love the thought of like, sometimes your brain knows, you know what I mean? Like you said, all the information you have for years, like intuitively, I might also want to be the other way where I'm like, intuitively, I really want to like, eat so much stuff but also I'm like oh Ashley remember last week where you actually felt terrible for like two days after that like maybe you don't really want to do that so I completely get that I think it works on both ends yeah and then can you talk a little bit about uh fad diets and just like different things I know a lot of people are keto and I don't even know what's going on right now. Paleo, all this different stuff. Um, I don't even know what's going on right now. <laughs> oh my gosh. I'm like overwhelmed by it. Totally. And you have people who are so gung ho on these things because they've had, you know, miracles happen to them because they've introduced this or they've taken out that. And at the core of what a fad diet is, is unsustainability. It's unsustainable. And that's, I mean, that's, they're, in, they're, they're completely connected, right? One is the exact same as the other. And whether you stick to it for a couple years or you stick to it to a couple months, likely these things like keto, like uh, intermittent fasting, there are forms of restriction where you're removing a food group, you're removing um, an eating period, you're removing something which is restriction. And for somebody like me who, like, I will take it to the extreme and I will feel so limited by these parameters that that's what makes it so unsustainable and so unhealthy for me. 
because any form of restriction just isn't healthy for me, especially with, you know, someone who's had an eating disorder or maybe has patterns of disordered eating, which I think honestly, a majority of women, a majority of maybe even people in the United States have to some degree because intermittent fasting exists because keto exists. There's all these diets that are celebrating restriction. And yes, you may have positive results short term, but in the long term, is it something that you want to maintain for the rest of your life? Because if you can't, whatever results that you're feeling and seeing, those are also not sustainable. So I don't support or promote really anything that encompasses restriction because for me, it's not something that I believe in. If I, and this is more from a scientific standpoint, if I had more like a, an, an illness that could benefit from a ketogenic diet, I would do it because I can understand that the human body on a scientific level responds in terms of inflammation better to certain things. So if I had even cancer or I had something that was more serious and significant come up in my life, I would take the nutritional protocol to maybe a more extreme level because I know that it's going to correlate with the longevity of my lifespan. But when it comes to aesthetic results, which is probably what 99% of people are striving for with these diets, it's not it's not going to be sustainable. And even if you see positive, quote unquote, positive changes to your body composition, it's not sustainable. So if you can't maintain it for the rest of your life, what you generate from that is also not going to be sustainable. So like that you touched on, there is a time and a place for certain diets, things like keto, and obviously, like we said, different restrictions and stuff. So it's kind of all relative. But for like you said, someone who's using these as a way to lose weight, and try and achieve a certain body look, it's not necessarily the answer. I don't know if you this is an easier question. But do you have any tips on someone that can kind of get started on how to figure out what works for them? Um, You know, like, healthy meals or just like things like that, creating their own kind of meal plan. Yeah. So, and I love what you said about, you know, there being a time and a place for everything and really using time as an opportunity for you to try different things and really discover what works best for you, what you like and what you don't like so that you can create a custom plan based on those likes and dislikes. And every experience, whether, and I've tried keto, I've tried intermittent fasting, I've tried everything because as somebody in this field, like I want to know not just the service level stuff, I want to know how it really works for me and what I like, what I don't like. I want to have a deeper relationship with these things so that I can truly have an opinion on them, right? So if I don't, if I didn't have that experience of doing those things, I wouldn't be able to speak as strongly on them and really say for sure that it's not for me because I haven't tried it. So my suggestion for anyone listening is to try a little bit of everything and really try it. Don't just do a week, do, you know, a month, two months, three months, really invest in something and use it as a learning opportunity to see how your body responds. I think we can get really emotional with food, we can get emotional with the way that we look. And I think trying to be more subjective and look at how, what you're implementing in terms of energy, in terms of sleep, in terms of performance, and 
having a more health-minded goal is always going to be the best way to go about, you know, trying new things. Because if you're looking for something to create the most significant aesthetic changes over time, well, that's going to be probably the most restrictive diet that you can find, right? So really looking at from more of a health standpoint and how you feel on doing these different things and just trying new things, but investing in it and really giving it the time and the effort to really understand how it works for you or how it doesn't work for you. I assume you would probably say similar advice for people trying to find the workout style that they like. There's so many different options. I'm sure you've gone through different things to find the kind of schedule you like and the different things you like to do. So would you give the same kind of advice? Yeah. And I guess the same goes for nutrition too. When you look at what's optimal versus what's attainable, there's a middle ground there, right? You're not going to always do the best thing. And it's like, you know, what's the best for you? It's, it's a little subjective, but there's, there's definitely some overlap in the understanding that, you know, resistance training is so important and fundamental to protecting and preserving your bones, your joints. It's something that can really benefit you long-term, not just in terms of your immediate body composition. So there's some overlap there, but the same thing, if you can't sustain it and you don't enjoy it, you're not going to maintain it. And then what's the point? So for movement, and this is something that's changed for me over time. I used to be such a bro with my bodybuilding split. And now, you know, my, and that was what was optimal for me at the time because I had these very uh, specific goals in mind with my training. So, you know, with my educational background, I knew how to train myself in the most optimal way. But then I didn't like that anymore. So then what, did I, what do I do, right? If I don't like how I'm training and I don't want to be there, that's taking away from me more than it's giving me. So I really had to allow myself the space to figure that out. I took some time off from the gym. I did a lot of walking because I really liked that at the time and I still really do. But, you know, I think a lot of people can relate too to having this really intensive workout plan where, you know, you were just on fire, whether that was high school sports or, you know, in the college, you loved group classes that's going to change over time and you can't compare what you used to do to what you do now because that's never going to give you a positive result. So focusing on what you enjoy, moving every day in a way that you enjoy and understanding that that will transform and change over time because the way I work out now, which is a little bit more functional fitness, I like to do a little bit more hit. I like to walk a lot still, but I'm not doing my bodybuilding bro split like I did before. And I guarantee you a year or two years from now, I'll find something else that I love that's a little bit different. Maybe I'll do yoga a few times a week, right? But I do want to maintain some level of resistance training because I know that that's something that is really good for me and small doses of it I do enjoy. So that's something that I do foresee being a consistent part of my routine and it's something that I would strongly urge every single person on this planet to add into their routine because of the health benefits associated with resistance training. So, you know, enjoyment, but also implementing, you know, some strategies that are, you know, for your own good in a way. I think, you know, there's a 
there's a gray area, right? We all have to live in that gray area between here's the best thing you can do for yourself on this planet. No, no preservatives, no packaged foods, right? Like, but that's not realistic. So finding that gray area and what works for you, but still allows you to live your best life in so many different areas. I just love what you're saying. Like every few years, it's probably going to change your workout routine and what's good for you. And I feel like that's one of the best parts about fitness and food as well. But it's just being able to be flexible with yourself because Liz and I, I know we've gone through the same thing where we, we used to be in the gym for like two hours every single day. And we now kind of incorporate like some group classes, some walking, just something like that. And I like what you said, like the best is not necessarily the best in the sense that like, okay, well, if you can't get yourself to do it, even though it's the best, it's, it's really not effective. So like maybe whatever at this time, two hours in the gym, like, yeah, that's great with a little mix of everything. But if you can't get yourself to do that regularly, maybe a walk is actually better than nothing. So I like that you said that, um, just the keeping it fun and finding different things you like and adapting with your lifestyle is I think really important. And I'm sure, um, something, something's better than nothing. Always. Yeah. Also, and I'm taking that resistant training yeah. tip like <laughs> so far now. I'm like, I love hearing that kind of stuff. You know what I mean? Like really tangible takeaways of something that is really beneficial. Um, but yeah, so can you just, for my own curiosity, so you were saying it's great for protecting your bones and can you just kind of elaborate on the resistance training itself or maybe give like an exercise tip on something that would be resistance training? I would love to. So <laughs> what you're looking for is called minimal essential strain. So when you put pressure on the, on any bone in your body, it's going to create this tiny bit of strain and bend to the bone that allows for it to kind of reiterate its strength. If you don't put pressure on the bone, it starts wasting. And that's what happens as we age, our bones get thinner, the density gets thinner, but by putting resistance on the bone and that's variable, right? Like it doesn't have to be 300 pounds on your back. It could be as little as doing a, um, like a push-up, right? You're putting pressure on your forearms, your wrists, you're holding a plank, right? You're putting pressure on those bones enough to where, and that can obviously and should increase over time, the pressure you put on your musculature system so that you continue to improve and get stronger. But what you're looking for is that minimal essential strain that almost bends your bone so microscopically that it's reinforcing itself. It's just like when you tear down a muscle, it builds itself back up, right? So when you're lifting, you're creating these micro tears within the muscle, the same thing happens to your joints and to your bones, where instead of this more, I guess, like uh, chronic wasting away of the bone, which does happen, right? Like as we age, that's just a part of it but you can be more proactive about preventing that through resistance training and putting that strain on not just the muscle, but the bone to reiterate that strength and protect moving forward. I love that because I know some um, exercises are like less beneficial to, you know what I mean? Like they can really hurt your bones and they can really cause damage for later on. So anything right now, I'm like, 
after my 24th birthday, I'm like, okay, I'm starting to think yeah. of like life. It's like, I know not anything crazy, but you know, early twenties, I'm like kind of not able to say it as much. Just go, on, just go over to Sam's Instagram and do one of her workouts. You just wait for your late twenties girls. You just oh my gosh. <laughs> and you know, another example of people who need to implement more resistance training is if you're a swimmer because you're all that impact is gone right so you swimmer if you're a biker when you're biking because you're not putting any impact on the bone yes you're working your muscular system but you're not reinforcing your bones and your joints so typically swimmers and bicyclists are the ones who have the lowest bone density so that's something too if you're a swimmer bicyclist i'm trying to think of what else uh but that impact even running you're putting impact on your bones so every time you take a step forward that's pressure on your joints on your bones that's reinforcing reinforcing the quality of the bone i think that shows the importance of doing different styles of workouts like ashley and i like to go to spin class which would be like biking and then maybe the next day we are at the gym lifting weights so it's kind of shocking your body and and working both your bones and your muscles i think Mm-hmm. Um, just switching it up anyways keeps it a lot more fun totally less burnout okay guys we're going to take a quick break from this episode with sam to talk a little bit about our partners sea dog brewing we heart sea dog brewing <laughs> sam talks a lot in this episode about finding balance in your social life and your fitness journey and we think sea dog seltzers are the perfect balance they're only 100 calories so you're not splurging too much and you want to be able to still enjoy your food and drink and you guys know that Ashley and I enjoy our food and drink oh yeah we are team food and drink so with sea dog seltzers only being 100 calories it's the perfect balance of having a social life being able to have a drink and staying healthy also you can enjoy it at home you can they're perfect for a barbecue football season is right around the corner whatever that looks like in these times of COVID, these are the perfect drink to have with friends while you're watching a game. We're so excited because we have this big projector screen that we got a little while ago, and we're so excited to set it up outside, invite some friends over for a barbecue, enjoy some of our Sea Dog seltzers, and watch the game. So Wow, that sounds so fun for you and you your wanna, friends. Do you want to come? I'll invite you. Okay, I'll see you on Sunday. All right, you bring the seltzer. Wait, is that for real? Oh, yeah, we should do that. Yeah, no, seriously, I honestly was thinking that. Do you want to? Uh, this isn't staged for the ad. This is for yeah, real. Yeah, I, I thought maybe you guys would invite us over. All right, well, you bring the seltzers. Sounds like a plan to me. Thank you so much to Sea Dog Brewing for sponsoring this episode. Liz and I, you heard it here. We're off to go enjoy a Sea Dog hard seltzer. All right, guys, let's get back into the episode with Sam. I would like to hear a lot about your job now and what it's like coaching someone in something you're so passionate about. So... Previously, and I think my coaching has really adapted to where I've seen the most value in my own life. And one of the biggest things that I've implemented now into my coaching is daily journal prompts, where you're not just executing a nutrition protocol or a training program, you're really putting thought into why you are the way that you are, who you are, who you want to be. Because change is so much more than just physical and that's something that has really empowered me a lot is to get outside of my head but also to reflect inward as well so 
when I work out, that's me getting out of my head. I'm able to channel, you know, my efforts, energy, focus into something that helps me release energy and feel a little bit more calm and centered. And then every morning I do my own journaling too. And that's really changed a lot over time just because I've been doing it for so long, but you know, bringing gratitude into my day and really trying to attract the energy that I want into my life and to really understand, you know, why am I the way that I am? What shaped me into this? And what really shaped my thinking to where, you know, for so long, I told myself I had to look a certain way to be comfortable and confident in my body. And for so long, I believed that that was more important than my mental health. So I didn't put any time and energy into it. I implement nutrition protocols with my clients. That's a main focus. But every single day, I also do journaling with them. And we go through some really thought provoking questions. And more recently, I've thought about it's like this really famous speech by Jimmy V. So if you've never seen it, um, I definitely highly recommend looking it up. Jimmy V. It's not Jimmy V. It's um, oh, my God. I'll think of it later anyway. But he talks about, you know, a, a full day encompasses thought, laughing and crying. If you can do all of those three things, then you've lived a full day. And that's something that we don't often integrate. And I think the laughing and the crying thing, you know, your emotions and allowing yourself to to have whatever comes to you is challenging. But I think thought beyond our daily tasks doesn't happen enough. And it depends on the person. But I know for myself in the past, I was just in this tunnel vision. Here's what I'm eating. Here's my training. And here's my work. And I didn't really think about what I wanted outside of that. It was just, here's what I'm doing to get to this goal, which is going to bring me the happiness, the confidence. And that's where I thought life was, was when I reached this goal of, you know, looking a certain way, then I would start living my life. And now what I work on with my clients and what I'm, you know, working on with myself too, is living every day and implementing change now and enjoying life now instead of waiting for that to happen down the road I feel like this is so cool because this is something that Liz and I have recently discovered for ourselves and ironically enough like a lot of our guests have lined up with the same just goal and mission and it's not something we necessarily are searching for when we're finding guests it's it's just something that I don't know it's been very interesting to see it's come up a few times and that's something that we've come to realize as well is we were the same way like oh once we you know get that job and move into that house and do this stuff like that's when life starts that's when we'll be excited about life and happy and we're realizing like we want to live every single day like you said mindfully and just consciously making decisions rather than just like passively living our life Um, so I love that you're taking that approach with your clients into the way that they can live incorporating food. It's not just, here's what you eat. Like, it's like, okay, well, what happens when, you know, I lose my job, like, and I don't have the tools to keep going with the food and stuff like that. So I think that is a great approach and one of the best I've heard yet. So that's awesome. Yeah. One of the best books I've ever read is called The Secret. And one of the big focal points of that book is the law of attraction. If you focus on the good, more good will come back to you. If you focus on the negatives, then that's what's going to come back to you as well. So focusing on the positives and you know how I correlate that to food sometimes is if I constantly fear food 
And I think like, I really believe that this food is going to make me gain weight, then maybe it will. Right. But if I, you know, hype myself up, which I really had to do at the beginning of my recovery of like, I can eat this. My body is a machine. My body is created to take care of me. And if I eat this, I'm going to be okay. My body knows what to do. And I think part of that comes from education and really knowing that your body is so much more capable than you give it credit for. And I think especially women in the gym, especially, you know, certain demographics tend to maybe belittle the human body and think that it's not capable of really what it is. And so that was a really big learning curve for me was trusting my body and knowing that it was going to take care of me, even when sometimes mentally I didn't believe that it would. And so really challenging myself, okay, like I'm going to go have a donut tonight and I'm going to enjoy it. And my body's going to take care of it. Like my body knows what to do. Right. So having those pep talks really was a big part for me of channeling that law of attraction of my body knows what it's doing. I can trust that I can eat this and be okay and not gain weight and have the proof of, you know, being alive the next day and feeling totally fine. Right. Or even an hour later, that thought process goes away and I feel fine. Right. It's only a moment, but it's work that I've had to do of really attracting that energy and that focus. And it's, it's not, you know, you do the work once and then you're there. It's a constant repetition, just like anything else. You have to put the reps in to get more comfortable with that way of thinking and almost that lifestyle that you have to create. Yeah. Like the more you do it, the better you get at it. And the, I don't know, the more you focus on it, it's kind of like you can spiral and be like, Oh my gosh, like I ate a donut and then you eat or like, well, I'll, you know, the rest of my day is shot or like you go the complete opposite way and you're like, I'm never having a donut again. So just like realizing it's not the end of the world. Just eat the donut and don't upset. I think of like the time I've wasted, like thinking about like, should I eat the donut? Should I not eat the donut? And I'm like, I could have eaten the donut and gone for a run and like been done with it or like not even gone for a run. I've only gotten like a couple of Snapchats from you. Should I eat this donut or not? Oh my gosh. Like the time I've wasted. (laughs) Yes. The time I've wasted in my life. I'm like, oh my God, I could have just like eaten it and moved on with my life. I know. And that's something, too, I think the older you get, the more you realize how valuable time is, right. and how much time we waste hating our bodies, shaming ourselves for eating certain things, or, you know, that internal battle of what do I do at this party? Do I have a little bit of these appetizers? Do I wait until the meal? Like, all of these mind games that we play that is taking up space, that could be put into relationships that could be put into experiences. And I think a part of, you know, getting older and realizing this is, you know, I've experienced a lot of loss in my life, whether it be family or friends. And, you know, I'm so lucky not just to be here, but to have potentially tomorrow. And if my life were to end tomorrow and I was worrying today and I said no to things because I didn't like my body or, you know, I wasted 10 minutes of my day thinking about what I was going to eat and stressing over that, that 10 minutes I could have spent on the phone with my mom or I could have spent, you know what I mean? Like that's time you won't ever get back. 
And again, I think the older you get, the more valuable you realize that your time is. And I just don't have the time to hate myself anymore. And that's not to say I have my, you know, my bad body image days. I absolutely do. But I validate and I move on because, again, time is so valuable. And I could like get so emotional thinking about it because, I mean, I've, I've lost a lot of, you know, really good friends and family. And, you know, we're so lucky to be here. And, yeah, we're just talking about I'm, this I'm before laughing. we came on with you, like word for word. Yeah, yes. I keep looking at Ashley like <laughs> I like feel bad because like you're about to cry. I'm laughing. I'm literally laughing at how insanely these this just conversation lined up, both of them. Like your, I don't know. I feel like your mission about like living a mindful, passive, you know, not a passive life is aligned with ours. And literally 30 seconds before this, I recently lost um, my cousin to a motorcycle accident and. We were just saying, like, the fact that I've been so upset about, like, my youth is, like, leaving me and stuff. And I'm, like, I'm so lucky to grow old. Like, I will be lucky. And, like, it's the same thing. Like, every second is precious. And, like, I can't be wasting it. Like, I'm not going to not go to dinner with my friends or whatever because I don't want to eat something. And the same also goes in the healthy aspect. I think about, oh, should I go work out? Should I not go work out? And I spend two hours thinking that. I'm like, I could have worked out and come home. Just those decisions that like, just make them do it and move on. Totally. And you're not going to be perfect. Nobody ever is. You're going to have those days where you do spend more time, maybe feeling guilty about eating something or feeling down on yourself for not working out, right? Like those moments are going to happen. But you know, trying and again, putting in the reps of thinking big picture. And that's something that just comes into mind all the time now is, you know, this little event here is so insignificant. And I don't want to waste my time thinking about it, giving it my energy anymore. And, you know, that's something too, that I think the younger you are, the smaller your world is. And the more those things really matter to you, the way that you, you know, show up in a photo or even a conversation you had with somebody and might just replay in your head over and over again. And, you know, the little things, they're so, they feel so significant, but the older you get, the more I think you realize that they're just not. And that's because you have this bigger picture of the world and your life. And I don't know. I think it's just something that has really struck me in the last few years of just, you know, I don't want to waste my time with you know things that really don't matter i couldn't have said it better myself it's already it's already sinking into me like i already feel the advice i'm glad so i just if you could just touch a little bit about i know a lot of people get frustrated and that's why they kind of probably go to those fad diets is they want those results right away and how to kind of ease your mindset maybe into the benefits of a slow process rather than you know dropping 10 pounds really quick or whatever that might look like I think a lot of people are so unhappy with their dietary habits that, you know, it's correlated. I think that sometimes you have a few extra pounds to lose because you're not taking care of yourself. And because the foods that you're eating aren't allowing you to feel your best, that's why when you're sad and you're frustrated, you lean into extremes because it feels like the best solution for you to feel good immediately. And when you do that, and then maybe you do feel good for a couple days, but it's so extreme and it's so restrictive, it's not something that you can maintain for a longer period of time. So then you feel like crap again. 
and you remember that good feeling of I followed this and I, you know, I, I saw these results so fast. So it becomes this toxic cycle. And I've been there, I've gained and lost the same 20, 30 pounds over and over and over again. And what I wasn't focusing on was how I felt because I would lose these 20, 30 pounds. I'd feel like crap, but I'd be like, you look amazing in the mirror, right? And I'd be like, you're doing it. But I wouldn't be able to maintain it because I'd be so restricted. I'd be so honed in on whatever diet I was doing that, you know, down the road, a holiday, a birthday party, whatever, I would start to deteriorate those habits. So if I were to give anyone a piece of information or a piece of advice, it would be to focus on how you feel and know that, and you know, a big part of it's education. If you can hire a coach, amazing. Like that's great. If you can't be a, like, be a student of yourself, be, you know, an observer, an experimenter, try different things that are really allowing you to feel better and not just look better and hone in on energy levels, sleep quality, uh, maybe how much you're enjoying your training or your movement. You know, there's so many other things for you to focus on than just how your body's changing and something as simple as changing, changing that perspective or that priority of, I'm doing this to look a certain way and really shifting that focus to I'm doing this to feel a certain way. So if you were going to give our listeners some quick tangible tips to start their healthy lifestyle, say they haven't done anything, I'm sure it would be to not focus on the mirror and to just focus on how you feel. But are there any like some quick changes to get started? Definitely. I mean, I think a lot of people like to restrict. I think that's majority of our perspectives. And it was for me for a really long time of, I only knew how to diet. So learning how to just maintain your weight, but to change the quality of the food that you're eating. So focus on whole nutrient dense foods as much as possible, you know, making more food instead of going out to eat. Those are really simple and I think have nothing to do with how you look, but more how you feel. When you eat more whole nutrient dense foods, you feel better than eating lunch at McDonald's every day. Like you just will. And again, it has nothing to do with how you look. Will it change how you look? Potentially. But it also has more to do with how you feel. Like you could be eating calorie for calorie the same, a Big Mac versus, you know, a quinoa salad and I guarantee you're going to feel better after that salad right so that's probably number one is just focus on whole nutrient dense foods make more meals at home really fill up your diet so add more things in than you're taking away that doesn't mean you can't go enjoy a Big Mac once a week or whatever maybe twice a week to start just to you know not make it so drastic if you're going every day but you know, slowly add in more whole nutrient dense foods. And I would say, especially for women, because, and I work mostly with women, but we tend to underestimate our needs or underestimate, especially protein. Like that's something that a lot of women struggle with. Tracking your food can give you a better understanding of where those gaps are if you know how to read the data. So if you just track your food, you can get a better understanding of, am I meeting this need? Or am I under, over, you know, kind of understanding your habits a little bit more. And that's that mindfulness that I think tracking can bring. You have to be in a healthy mindset. I think that tracking can be destructive for some people if they're so ingrained in diet culture, they're not ready for it yet to be productive and it's more constructive. 
So, uh, or destructive. So it depends on the person, but I think that that's also a really great learning tool to become a better uh, mindful eater is just tracking your food, understanding where those gaps are and not focusing on being in a deficit, but focusing more on fueling and nourishing your body before anything else. Like, what does that look like? And, you know, for me, if you would ask me what I thought my maintenance calories were five years ago, I probably would have said, oh, like 18, 1700 calories. And that's low for somebody who, for me, that's low. That's actually what my resting metabolic rate is. So if I just sat on the couch, that's how many calories my body would burn through the entire day, right? So I wasn't even taking into consideration my activity level and my training. But for me, I was like, that makes, that seems, because 2000 is the average, right? And that has to take into consideration, you know, men and these bigger people, right? Like I'm not that big. So I underestimated my needs and same with protein. I didn't think I needed that much. And the reality is when you track and you see that and you're able to really observe, you know, how your energy levels are, sleep, all those other things, you can understand where your needs actually are and what your body really needs to thrive and be in a good place. So for me, maintenance is probably around 22 to 2,400 calories. So I don't track now, but I have a good enough understanding of nutrition, what I need based on that experience that I had. And then I'm also able to, you know, pay attention to my body's cues and things like that and really implement that to a more long-term and like sustainable strategy. But for someone that is, um, hasn't really started, haven't, hasn't found the benefits of living a healthy lifestyle or just being healthier in general and kind of that consideration of what you're putting into your body and how it affects it. Uh, what would be just like the benefits of, you know, maybe someone's listening to this episode looking for that, that push um, that they need to maybe make a lifestyle change. Uh, is there anything you could kind of touch on in regards to that? So that's actually really interesting because I have a lot of friends too, or family members where I, I, I know that they could benefit so strongly from a shift in their lifestyle. But that's also a big reason why I didn't go into clinical nutrition is because you're working with people in hospitals who don't want to help themselves. They, I've met people who I've suggested changes in their lifestyle, eating habits, maybe they're smokers. And like, they've literally said to me, I'd rather die five years earlier than change the way that I eat or the way that I, you know, live my life. Like I just will not do it. And you can't inspire, motivate, change somebody in that way. You just can't force them to see what you see or feel what you feel when you exercise and you eat a well-rounded diet. You can't put that on somebody else. Unfortunately, I think you can be there for them and always, you know, share what you benefit. I just, it's so hard. It's such a hard thing to answer because there is no one solution, but I think we all come to a point in our lives and whether that's at 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 years old, where you realize that what you're doing is taking away from your lifespan or your life experience. And you want that change for yourself. 
So I think even though I found out what I really wanted and needed earlier on in my life, that person that I want to change so badly right now, maybe they need a wake up call down the road to really help them see what you see. Right. So I think being patient with people, being a shoulder, being an ear for them to, you know, come to is the best thing that you can do if they're more resistant to a healthier lifestyle, something that's going to give them more years to their, to their lives, because there are people who would rather die sooner than to change their, their habits and the way that they live their life. Because a lot of those things are addictions and a lot of people either don't want to change or they don't know how to change. And so I think, you know, deciphering where you're at on that range is really important, but also being understanding that that range does exist for your family members, your friends, your acquaintances. And, you know, I'll even get clients sometimes who they want to change, but they're not ready. And that's okay. Like that's not, that's not my fault and that's not their fault. It's just not a priority. It's not, they're not there yet. Right. And I think that's okay too. Like you're not there yet. You have other things that are important to you and that's okay. Like my priority list isn't your priority list. And the things that I have going on in my life aren't what you have going on in your life. So I can't expect you to value what I value or even have the time to be able to put into the things that I have time to put into. You know, I do get it. Like if someone told me I couldn't have a Hannaford chocolate chip muffin ever again, I'd be like, I'm out. It's not going to work for me. <laughs> I mean, I have actually like a mild lactose insensitivity oh. and I still eat ice cream. I'm like, whatever. Like, that. It's not it's so drama. bad. Yet. It's not so bad. Exactly. I'm like, you're you're fine. You don't need to really take it to that extreme. You'll you'll figure it out. But no, I mean, I can get it. So I understand. But your iconic Instagram post with burgers, like, I was looking at them and I was like, I need to leave. Like, I'm so hungry right now. These look so good. I feel like I've turned my page into like a burger page. Like, I just have like not singular interests, but I really like certain things for you know, a period of time. And burgers for me was always a trigger food of like, oh, like that was so bad for me. I need to not eat tomorrow. Or that was so bad for me. I might as well go get ice cream after too. So for me, going out for a burger every week was like the normalcy that I needed in the break from a lot of the routines that I do have that I do love. So it was me getting out of my comfort zone, but also me enjoying certain foods again. And so like burgers, cookies, ice cream, even putting sprinkles on my protein shake was, which is something that I never would have done if I was tracking macros because it, it's kind of, not that it's hard to add in and to calculate. It was just something that I didn't feel like I needed. Like I wanted to be as plain as possible and as, you know, uneventful with the things that I was eating. So um, it's just all ways for me to create some normalcy and not get too strict with a lot of the things that I do. And, I make sure I am present with my burgers. Like I talk about every detail of them and what I like. And that's the experience that I think is so missed in, you know, the nutrition and the fitness field is that, you know, food is all about fuel, but it's also this opportunity to love and experience life. And, you know, especially with having an eating disorder, like I used to binge a lot and I would, not pay attention to any bites that I was eating. I would just eat it. 
And so for me, being present with food and really enjoying that experience on a deeper level has been really healing for me. And it's turned into something that, you know, I really, really enjoy and I incorporate quite often into my routines and burgers are great. And I love it. Also, like, like chocolate chip cookies are also like my thing. Like I watch that hardcore. I, I mean, any cookie is pretty good for me, but what's really disappointing (laughs) is when you get a bad cookie. Yeah. Because now I have such high standards before I would have eaten any cookie, but now I have high standards. And I think that's really important when it comes to being like a consumer is that like, don't just eat something to eat something like you need to really enjoy it. And that's something that, I mean, I had lost for a long time of, you know, like it's a donut, I'll eat it. Well, like, is it a good donut? Like, I so agree. And also, like, I feel like this conversation has kind of, I kind of had gone back and forth with like thinking of food as fuel and like not, I don't know. I kind of was like, I need to stop because I have like a, I don't know. I feel like I think of food in like a very obsessive way. Like, I'm a snacker. I love food, like, love dessert, stuff like that. And I was like, okay, I need to like chill out and like think of what food does for my body and not like, I don't even know what the word is like fantasize over it so much if that makes sense but I love I don't mean you know what I mean like obsess over it but what I don't know you saying just like Liz and I had talked about making every day like special and I feel like food is a great way to do that and like like you said adding sprinkles on your shake or like really being like oh my god this burger like I'm gonna take a picture with this burger this is like the best (laughs) burger I don't know I feel like very refreshed from the conversation Totally. And it's that black and white thinking that I think we often find ourselves in. Like it's a really slippery slope of, oh, like this fuel isn't good for me or this fuel is good for me. And it's all going in the same place. And, you know, like it's so much more than just one thing. So if you look at food as just fuel, then you're going to feel bad about eating a cookie because it's maybe not the best fuel for your body but it's fueling you in other ways and mentally it's giving you a break from whatever it is. Like, you know, I think obviously it's going to be different for everybody, but just living in that gray area, kind of to circle back to something I said at the beginning of the podcast is, you know, nothing is right, wrong, black, white, uh, good or bad. It's, you know, we need to live more in this gray area where everything's accepted and, this idea of restriction is really toxic in every single way possible. And it all starts in your mind. It's all mental and it's all your way of thinking that dictates a lot of your actions a lot of the time. And more, more often it's, you know, taking away from you more than it's really giving. So I feel so much better now about, I don't know, you've like adjusted my mindset just in this hour. No, thank you so much, Liz. Do you have any other questions? I think we hit most of them. Yeah, I think we got everything. We've really kept you here. I know. I'm like, I'm trying to soak it up. I know. I was like, this is such valuable information. I feel like we could have a whole other episode just about like body image. Like we could have focused just on that. But I'm like, I want also these other tips. So we had to fit in everything. Totally. And I was really looking forward to like diving into more of like the nutrition advice too. So I'm really glad we got into a lot of that stuff. It is so case by case basis. So it's really hard to generalize, but I want to, in the same way you guys want to bring value to your, to your show and to the people listening, like I want to contribute too. So I'm glad that, you know, we got into some of these categories. I think we could probably talk for hours and hours and hours, but 
Yeah. I'm God. I'm such a talker. I swear I'm not like this normally. And I've heard podcasts too where I've listened multiple times to them. So I hope that this is a podcast where people can listen to multiple times and learn something new or retain something new every single time. Yeah. I think I'll even listen back and hear something that I didn't hear right here sitting with you and I'll take something else out of it. I already forgot the name of the book. So I'm like, I already have to listen. Secret, right? Is that what it is? Yeah. I wrote it down. (laughs) (laughs) That'll be our next book that we talk about on the podcast probably. Perfect. We would love for you to let our listeners know where they can find you because you write – your Instagram captions are amazing. I always make sure to click and read all of it. So I want them to be able to read along as well. Thank you. Yeah, I'm at the Sam plan, which is actually a funny story. I got that name from my sister who was making fun of me because we'd go on vacations when I was kind of in the depths of, of competing in bodybuilding and tracking my macros. And she'd be like, well, are we all going to be on the Sam plan now? And I was like, no. <laughs> But now with my coaching, like I create custom plans for people. So, you know, if we were to, um, if I were to have a client and their name was Carol, it would be the Carol plan because I'm creating a plan for you. So it I works. like that. <laughs> but uh, it started as like a, a joke and a teaser from my sister. So I love that. That's so funny. Those are the best ones. I so your is everything the same plan? Website, Instagram, everything? Website is thesamplan.co, no M. And my email is actually samplanme at gmail.com. If anyone has, you know, any specific questions or something that they want to share with me, I do love hearing from whether, you know, you found me on Instagram, podcasts, like I love to just help people. So I do try and make an effort to answer DMs. I make an effort to answer every email. So if you have questions, you can obviously uh, message me on Instagram, but you can also email me at samplanme at gmail.com. Thank you guys. I'm really excited to listen back to this myself and uh, hear some feedback. And yeah. yeah, I'm glad you check your DMs because we wouldn't have got you on if not. <laughs> well, Liz, I would say that was a good one. Let's go get a drink. <laughs>